Now, if you have your Bibles with you, I would invite you to turn to the first letter of John near the back of the New Testament. We've been looking at this letter for the past few weeks, and this evening our text is in chapter 2, verses 3 through 11. If you would please give attention to the reading of God's holy word. The word of the Lord is authoritative. The word of the Lord is inerrant. And the word of the Lord is sufficient. 1 John chapter 2, beginning at verse 3. And by this we know that we have come to know Him, if we keep His commandments. Whoever says, I know Him, but does not keep His commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps His word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may be sure that we are in Him. Whoever says he abides in Him ought to walk in the same way in which He walked. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in Him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. Let's pray for his blessing upon it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we we ask this evening that you would help us to end this Lord's Day well. That we would end it in your word, hearing your truth, being affected by it. Lord, we ask that you would meet with us this evening and guide us into all truth. This we ask in Christ's precious name. Amen. Well, John has been speaking about true fellowship with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and with His people. And he's wanted us to understand what truth is and to face the truth about ourselves. And this is important for those who claim the name of Jesus Christ. What John wants us to do is to have assurance about who we are in Christ. Because oftentimes it can be difficult to be sure of the direction in which we are going. Especially when we first come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, our expectation of how our life will change dramatically seems to be all that we can think about. But the problem is, is that while there is change, there is much that remains the same. We're often still working at the same job. We we live at the same house. We're in the same family. We even face many of the same temptations that we faced before. Oftentimes, those temptations can even be stronger now that we have come to know the truth of God's Word. So then we ask ourselves, 
how do we really know that we know Jesus? How can we be encouraged? How can we be assured of our relationship with Jesus? John gives us this evening two tests that we can apply to ourselves. Two things that will help us to know that we know Jesus. The first is how we act, and the second is how we love. These are tests that answer for us the question, how do I know for sure? Now, we have to understand here that when John is speaking to us, he's not talking about how we are to be justified before God. He's actually not even talking to us about how we persevere with God. He's talking to us about how we can be assured of our relationship with God. And he begins here right away, very practically, in verse 3. He tells us that we can know that we know Jesus by how we act. And the way in which we are to act is to keep God's commands. Look at verse 3. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. You see... The first and most obvious way to know that we know Jesus is to obey Him, is to obey God's law. This is what we might consider a moral test. It is something we can think about in our lives. We can look to God's Word and see how God's Word tells us we are to speak, how we are to treat others, how we are to behave in our family, how we are to work at work, how we are to be generous. All of the commands that God gives to us in His Word, the way that we speak, the way we spend our time, the way we treat others, all of these help us to know that we know Jesus. Now, this is very significant because, you see, the people that John has been dealing with, those who have been undermining gospel teaching, that John has been trying to counter-effect by laying out the truth of God's Word, what they wanted was not a moral test. They wanted a secret knowledge test. They wanted to know that they knew Jesus simply by bits and pieces of information that they had and others didn't have. They didn't want to be bothered with having to live out their faith. They didn't want to be bothered with having to change. It was merely what they knew that they thought brought them into a relationship with Jesus. And if we think about it, that's not that dissimilar to how people operate today. When you ask someone if they are a Christian, oftentimes they will judge if they are a Christian simply because they say so. They have an idea about who God should be and what He should allow them to do, and that's sufficient. They don't need to follow God's Word. They don't need to worship with God's people. They simply truncate their relationship with God is simply what is convenient for them. But John tells us this is not the case. God's law is actually very clear and it is laid out for us. And it tells us what we are to do. It is a test that we can apply to our own lives and know with great surety that we know Jesus. But this requires commitment on our part as believers. It means you can't dabble in Christianity. You can't take some things of Jesus and mix in some things of Muhammad or of Buddha 
or of the world. You can't mix and match and make up your own soup. Now we have to follow the Lord in His Word. We can't simply contemplate what it means to be a Christian, think about it, have philosophical arguments. No, it must affect our daily lives. It affects the way we treat our parents. It affects the way we treat our children. It is something that we are called to do each and every day. You know, there's an old joke that says that with breakfast, the chicken is involved, but the pig is committed. And you see, that's a fashion after which we need to live the Christian life. We can't just be involved in Christianity. We have to sacrifice the entirety of our lives. Everything we do must be to grow closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. We must die to self. We must die to our own desires. And we must seek Jesus in all that we do. If we know Jesus, then we know His desire for our obedience. And then this assures us of a prior knowledge of God. There's a second thing we see John telling us. He tells us, in verse 4, that we have to walk the talk. He says, Whoever says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. You know, it's all too easy to talk, isn't it? We talk a big game about how good we are at sports. We talk about how smart we are, how much we can accomplish. But until we actually put that into action, it doesn't mean much. And it's interesting, John has very little patience here. You see some of the son of thunder here in the apostle of love. He's not mincing any words. He's not being very seeker sensitive. He says, if you say this, you're a liar. And you don't have the truth in you. You need to really reevaluate your life. Now, it's important to be this honest with ourselves to be ruthless about walking the talk because, you see, there is nothing more dangerous than hypocrisy. It's something that tries to make us feel safe while we don't really follow through on what we believe. Hypocrisy tries to convince us that we don't need to go the full measure in trusting the Lord Jesus. We can simply go as far as we are comfortable And there's a great danger in hypocrisy, not just for us, but for the kingdom in general. Because, after all, isn't that what people spot first in Christianity? They're quick to jump on hypocrisy. And to be honest, I don't blame them. Because why should someone change when I won't change? Why should they believe me that they should put their trust in Jesus and change their entire life when I, the one who am bringing the message, is unwilling to change? Why should someone go for the truth if they lie? You see, hypocrisy is something that hides over the truth of the gospel. And this is a great lie. We can't say we know Jesus and yet ignore what he says. Think about if you lived your life at home that way. If you said you knew your spouse, or you knew your parents, or you knew your children, and you never listened to what they were saying, there would be no real relationship there, would there? 
You might be existing in the same space, but you wouldn't really know each other if you didn't listen to each other. How can we talk about who Jesus is and pretend he's not that way in our own lives? You see, this is a lie. We have to walk the confession of our faith. The third thing that John tells us is that we need to be committed to God's word. Look at verse 5. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. You see, the answer in knowing that we know Jesus is not to boast in our knowledge, actually. The answer is found in acting on the knowledge that we have. And where do we go for this knowledge? Well, we go to God's word. Because God's word will challenge me how I'm supposed to live. God's word will make me submit to the Lord. God's word makes me put God first and me second. And this is where our profession of faith takes its expression in practical terms. The fourth thing we see John speaking about in terms of our action is that we are called to follow Jesus. Look at verse 6. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Now this seems common sense. If we claim to have a relationship with Jesus, then we are to be found with Jesus. We're to be going where Jesus goes. We're to be following after him. We must live as he lived, with his priorities, according to his definition of truth. Because if we claim to know Jesus, we should know who he is and his nature. We should know about his authority and we should want to be like him. Now, we understand that this does not mean that we will obey Jesus perfectly, that we will be the same in actions as Jesus. John hasn't forgotten what he has told us before, that if we say we are without sin, we are a liar. But what John is telling us is we are to be ever found in the presence of Jesus, following after him, seeking his forgiveness when we fall short. The first way that we test ourselves to know that we know Jesus is to look at how we act. John then turns in verse 7 to a second test. We know that we know Jesus by how we love. John writes in verse 7, Beloved, I am writing you a new, no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. This is the second test. It is not just how we act. It is specifically how we love and how we love one another. Because love is intimate, isn't it? Love speaks of fellowship and of relationship. And this is what we are to have with God's people and with the Lord himself. And it is an old commandment <coughs> in this sense that God is love. And this command comes from God. God does not change. This command has been from the very beginning, from the very beginning of creation of Genesis. Throughout all of the Old Testament, the command has come from the Lord to His people that we are called to love. This is the word that God has spoken throughout the entirety of the Scriptures. 
John can write what seems to be a contradiction in the next verse. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you. Now, we might stop and think, John, make up your mind. Is it old or is it new? And John's answer is yes. Because you see, it is an old commandment we've had from the beginning, but it is new in the sense that we now have been given a whole new emphasis on love after the life, death, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we have the the call to love in God's Word, but in Jesus, we have His teaching and example of what it means to love. Love has become expanded in all its scope and what we see. We see Jesus love the unlovable. We see Jesus go to great lengths in his love for us. The great lengths of the cross. Jesus would not let a shameful, horrible death upon the cross stand between his love for his people. It's also new in the sense of its realization. You see, Jesus has broken the darkness, and now genuine love can be found as his people carry this commandment forward. We know that the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. Are we part of Jesus' mission? If we are, That is how we know Him. If we are committed to Jesus and His mission and His love. But John tells us that this love must be real. Look with me at verse 9. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Now here John is repeating the same theme that he spoke of earlier in walking the talk. You see, it's easy to speak about love, isn't it? Hallmark does that for a living. But people can sometimes use words of love to manipulate others. They will tell someone they love them to get them to do something for them. To get them to provide. To manipulate them into action. And you see, John tells us that if we are a part of Jesus' light, then we will love and that love will be real in our lives. It is not an option To pretend. We have to love real people in a real way. And that's scary, isn't it? It's much easier to come into a group of believers and to simply speak platitudes and to smile at one another and not to be involved in one another's lives, to not to actually care, to not sacrifice, to not risk. But John tells us that that's not real love. Real love is loving your brother. That person right in front of you. That person maybe that at times annoys you. Or is combative with you. Or contradicts you. And if we don't, John again is blunt as a son of thunder. If we don't, then we are in darkness. We are lost in a lie and we are nothing. You see, love is that great. You remember the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 13, If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and have all knowledge and have all faith so as to remove mountains, but if I have not love, 
I am nothing. You see, love is where Christianity becomes real. Where our faith in Jesus Christ is expressed in a way that we can know and others can know that we are a follower of Jesus. Love is a guide for us in the Christian life. Look at verse 10. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. You see, this is the opposite of what John has just written in the previous verse. Love shows us not only that we're not in darkness, but that we are in light. And love is a guide to the place where true fellowship and happiness is. Love is actually a guide to God's law. Now, love does not make us perfect. Love does not keep us from a multitude of sins. But love does cover a multitude of sins. Love commits us to God and it commits us to His people. And when we have this kind of love, there is no cause for stumbling in us because the Lord Jesus Christ lights our path and holds us up. The final thing we see about love is that love has no substitute. We see this in verse 11. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in darkness, and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. John is using a very interesting metaphor here. Because you see, he is combating heretics who are preaching, you don't need to love one another. All you need is secret knowledge. The key to light. To light up the truth of these secret forms. And what John is saying is, if we don't have love, we certainly don't have light. We're actually bound in darkness. It's not enough to have knowledge. It's not enough to have excuses about why we are the way we are. Because hatred flourishes in darkness. And this should not surprise us. Because that's where the devil is, isn't he? Darkness deceives us about who we are. It deceives us about what we are doing. And it deceives us about our relationship with God. John doesn't want you to be deceived. He wants you to be assured. He wants you to know that you know Jesus. And so he calls upon you to live a life that follows Jesus. To act according to God's law, according to the will of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. To practice the commandment that He has given to us to love one another. This is where we find true assurance. It's that interesting nature of faith in Christ. You see, we would think that in order to be assured, we would need to get more. To receive knowledge. To build up. But what John tells us is, we actually need to share more. We need to be givers. We need to be thinking of others. The less we hoard, and the more we serve, and the more we give, the surer we are of our relationship with Christ. Because you see, isn't that the mark of Jesus himself? The one who came to serve? The one who came to die that we might have life. The one who came to do all 
that he said to walk the walk. This is who our Lord Jesus Christ is. Be assured. Act, love, follow Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and the reminder that we need to be practical in our love for others and that we need to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. That it's not enough to merely speak, but we must act upon our trust in Jesus. It must change who we are and our perspective. Lord, we ask that you would bless us as we go about this week. Give us opportunities to serve others. Give us opportunities to love others. Help us to keep your commands, O Lord, that we might have good assurance that we walk in the light, that we love the Lord Jesus Christ, and that we love his people. This we ask in the name above all names, the name of our great God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen.